When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports, objective insight, expertise, top guests, available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. UConn or not, you talk about a big show. We've got it. John Adams on a Tuesday each and every Tuesday. We absolutely love that. John Campbell, another John, and very different. A young, big, athletic John named SEC Co-Offensive Lineman of the Week. Charles Campbell gets SEC Special Teams Player of the Week. Dabo Sweeney goes bat bleak crazy. On a fan reminds me of Jerry Green. Hey, eh? well, if you don't like it, you can go to Kmart and rent a movie. They don't rent movies at Kmart. Jerry, have another pop. All right, should the balls don uh, summit blue uniforms for Saturday? This is something that's out there, probably not going to happen, but uh, given it's UConn. And given that it would be a cool tribute to Pat Summit, I want to discuss that. Football IQ is our new uh, weekly segment with John Adams as we talk about coaches who aren't the brightest in the world under fire. It happens. And uh, the college football playoff will be announced uh, this week. How many college football playoffs will the Vols make in the next five years? And lastly, UConn is UConn, which means a lot of backups in the game. How much will Nico play against the Huskies? So here we go. Caleb Calhoun, how are you, sir? I'm good. Happy Halloween, Dave. It is Halloween, and uh, I'm I'm excited about it. I've always been scared to dress up for Halloween on the air, especially with any sort of video sort of format because what if like breaking huge news happened like some big sports figure passed away or something terrible happened and then you're, <laughs> you're dressed up then you're dressed up looking like some kind of doofus 
and you're passing along this news. So I've never been a dress up for Halloween guy. I have to be honest with you. I wondered if you would be John Adams, who joins us now. I have seen dress up as uh, Santa Claus before, but I've never seen him dress up as uh, anything on Halloween. John, when's the last time you dressed up for Halloween? I think John's working on hearing us. John, can you hear us? Uh, I never dressed up for Halloween. Oh, there you go. You've never dressed up, not once, even when you were a kid? I don't remember doing it. I give myself credit for that, too. (laughs) I wore some pretty funny-looking clothes at times. Back in my early 20s when I had a red suit and some platform shoes. That could have worked on Halloween. Okay, let me ask the group here. More uncool, the disco phase or the country western phase? I still remember my parents getting all gussied up in the country western phase. You know, the urban cowboy with Sissy and John Travolta. And um, I remember thinking, you bunch of goofballs, you've never even been around a horse. I... uh... Uh, one of my neighbors gave me the nickname Cowboy when I was a kid. When I was about three years old because I like to play cowboys and Indians. And yeah. I had a cowboy hat and a bunch of toy guns. Nice. Went I was shooting the neighbors. Go ahead, Kev. Oh, I, I was not there for either of them, but I can honestly say objectively the lemur one was the country western phase because – it created a whole genre of posers, <laughs> which is all country music is now, which are these rich suburbanites who grew up in these fancy big houses, and then they put on makeup in a cowboy hat, and they're like, well, I'm just a redneck, guys. And it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is so, that is so true. And as a three-year-old, I was a poser, too, because I panicked the first time they put me on a uh, horse when I was eight years old. You're right about that. I mean, country music, I mean, you want your songwriters to have gone to jail or at least come close. That's right. Or Merle, have Merle, done Merle Haggard went to San Quentin. That's exactly. I think that might have been Johnny Cash, but either or. No, I think Merle might have too, but I'm not sure on that. It's it's draped in, I mean, this is a weird thing to say, but like it's draped nowadays in like patriotism, which is fine. But as you guys know, original country music was very anti-patriotic in a lot of ways. It railed against the American system. Yes. Well, it wasn't it wasn't for big government. Let's put it that way. Yes. And John, can we get you to scoot towards Caleb about an inch? And we're golden. Look at him centered. I love it. Let's go ahead and get rolling because uh, this just in Tennessee's going to hammer UConn. Okay. But also, this just in the college football playoff will be announced. It was this time last year, guys, that uh, Tennessee was, I don't know if expected is the right word, John, but uh, fans were hopeful that they could be picked as the number one team in the nation. And sure enough, they were. And I remember you and I discussing it at the time. It was absolutely the right call. Now they're not going to be number one this year, but last year, that was a pretty special day for the Tennessee football program. Maybe second uh, only to the Alabama win uh, last year. It was, it was pretty significant. Yeah, it was very significant. And I think fans were not only were they elated, I think some of them were shocked because there's kind of a uh, 
a groundswell of sentiment here about the powers that be or aren't in favor of Tennessee. That's a, the start of a poem. I'll finish it off later. The powers that be aren't in favor of Tennessee, okay? Um, uh, oh, oh my, oh my, oh my, oh me. Okay. Something. <laughs> Let's get to today. No, but it, and, yeah. and how long was Tennessee number one? I, I can't quite remember. How, how long did it, was it number oh, we, one? They lost that, that week. Yeah. I yeah. was kidding. Yeah. That was a hell of a four days. I remember the parade and all that went on and the fireworks. It was unbelievable. It was a heck of a first half against Georgia, too. Yeah, here we go. Then that was just the worst timing to get them fired up. And then you got Eric Gaines saying Sanford's a big dump. And uh, yeah, they got Georgia ready to go. Today's tough question brought to you by Andy Mason. Andy Mason realestate.com today's tough question take a side take a stand the dave hooker show a presentation of off the hook sports.com okay of the next five years how many years will tennessee be in the college football playoff let's keep in mind a couple of things it'll expand to 12 teams uh tennessee theoretically, I guess, could win out and things happen in front of them and still make it this year with two losses. Teams are going to be able to make it with two losses, but there's going to be politics that'll play into that. They're not going to want to take five SEC teams in a particular year. So there's all kinds of factors into that. But John, let me start with you and I'll go to our YouTube page because it is today's tough question brought to you by Andy Mason Real Estate, best prices, best service in the biz. When it comes to real estate, it's AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Buying or selling, it's AndyMasonRealEstate.com. So, John, what what do you say? It's today's tough question. Out of the next five years, how many years does Tennessee make the college football playoff? Well, I don't have a crystal ball here, but I would say Tennessee should make it two out of five. I think that's a reasonable expectation. Can it do it? I'm not sure, but there are a lot of things in its favor. Uh, an improved SEC with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma, strength of schedule will be good. Uh, the Pac-12 just deciding to go out of business, that will help because I think you're going to have to go to four uh, power power five, well, power four conferences uh, with, with the uh, departure of uh, the Pac-12. So I would I would think that adds another SEC team. I think uh, a two-loss SEC team um, should be in the playoff. And if you look at Tennessee's next year's schedule, t- three three games stand out: Georgia, Oklahoma, and Alabama. Win one of those, and win all the games you're supposed to. The rest of the schedule is not that daunting. Win the rest of those games, you're ten and two, and and you're in the playoff. I think this is about to be I, – I, I like to think I have my finger on the pulse, but I think it, this is about as off-base as I'm going to be when I share my honest opinion. Caleb, let me ask you first, though. Out of five, how many years should they be in the college football playoff? Will they be in the college football playoff? Guys, I think it's going to be four out of five. I, and I, I don't think it should be that. I don't like the 12-team playoff, but when you're taking six wildcard teams or six at-large teams and the top six conference champions, which is laughable with no Pac-12, so you're going to have like the Mountain West and the American champion going 
to the playoff. Um, six wild cards. You're going to have most of those from the SEC and the Big Ten. I think Josh Heupel's got Tennessee at a level where they're not going to be finishing worse than fourth in the SEC over the next maybe seven, eight years. And so if you're not finishing, if you're finishing in the top four in the SEC, I think the top three of the SEC are going to the playoff every year. I think every year the top three teams in the SEC will be in the playoff. And I think a fourth team sometimes will be getting into the playoffs. So I got four out of five, honestly. So far on our poll on YouTube, and we encourage you to hit the like and subscribe button, smash it as hard as you can. Um, how many college football playoffs do you expect uh, Tennessee to make in the next five years? Two leads with 68%. So there with you, John, three 32%. And we just put the poll up, haven't had a vote for four or five yet. So get on YouTube and do that for me. I would greatly appreciate it. I'm stunned. I'm I'm with Caleb, John. I think it's four. I think that uh, three is a bare minimum. I think if you're in the one or two range, you're disappointed because I, I the way this is going to be viewed, if you're not a part of the college football playoff, then you're just in some, I don't know, it's the Chick-fil-A Bowl now, but it might be the Hardee's Bowl by then. I don't know what it's going to be. And you're not even in the hunt. So... Uh, man, if you if you judge it like an NFL team, if you're just in the playoffs, two of five teams, you're firing a coach. So I, I think you've I think Tennessee will be in it more or they've got a real problem. Well, I, I just think it's going to be challenging in the SEC, though, Dave. Uh, Florida's down right now, but I expect Florida to be better. I think LSU, Alabama and Georgia all should be in the running for the playoff every year. I mean those three teams have all won national championships in the last four or five years. Uh, I think Oklahoma and Texas should expect to be too. And then you're talking about Texas, A&M, Florida, even Auburn. A lot of teams will be uh, competing for this. So I, I don't know if there will be a backlash against the SEC. You brought it up. Would they say, we don't want to turn this into a, an SEC playoff? Uh, and that shouldn't be a factor, but when you look around, because when you look around the country, the SEC is clearly the strongest conference. Although the Pac-12 is really good this year, the Big T- the Big Ten is pretty good at the top. But I don't think as many Big Ten teams can expect to make uh, a college football playoff. Bill, why do you say four? I think the. I think there was an argument that there used to be anti-SEC bias, particularly Auburn getting left out of the national title game in 04. I think it's dead. I think ever since that run they had from 2006 to 2012, plus the contracts they got with ESPN, which is where the college football playoff games are televised, I think it's now the reverse. I think I think it was earned, but I think SEC fatigue or not, the networks, which felt filters to the voters or whoever the selection committee is, everybody's going to favor the SEC teams now and they're going to get bias towards their way. And so I think that it, it's much more favoring. John, I also want to point out that, yes, I agree the SEC is tougher, but given the route the SEC is going, I think life's going to get easier for Tennessee because whatever type of rotating opponent you have, Tennessee's is always going to be Vanderbilt. That's the one game they're going to protect for Tennessee over every other game. And Alabama's has to be Auburn. They may have to play LSU. Um, 
but Tennessee's will always be Vanderbilt. And that is the funniest thing about this. It's why it's, I told Dave this yesterday, it's laughable to me that the SEC thinks they can crown a legitimate champion with 16 teams, no division, and just every team plays eight games. The schedules gap is going to be so widely different from two teams. And Greg Sinke is going to sit there next year and try to convince us, well, you know, a win over Vanderbilt has as much weight as a win over LSU and Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you might notice, John, that every person talks in a goofy cartoonish voice when Caleb does an impression of them. Uh, (laughs) He's got a generic impression. Yeah, my wife does the same thing. Uh, yeah, I think that is an advantage for Tennessee. But I also think Tennessee could really prosper if you had the divisional setup still. If you had the, uh, yeah, well, of course, if you expand, you would have to expand the East. So the East might not be what it used to be. But if you were talking about today's li- alignment in Tennessee, and this is all you had, and Tennessee was a, in the East, it's pretty much, okay, come second to Georgia, and you've got a real shot at making the playoffs. So. You know, well, under that system, it would have an advantage too. And to clarify, we're not talking about this year. We're talking about the next five years when it's a 12-team playoff. Uh, so we have that question on the message board. And But, John, if – okay, they're the haves, the have-nots. We're not talking about South Carolina. When, when you talk about Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, those are programs with the proper support that they should be challenging for championships pretty much every year. If you have a coach, Josh Heupel or whoever – that makes two out of five, as you said, and let's say he gets bounced in the first round. Is he on the hot seat despite making two of five? Well, um, that's a good point because will making the playoff be enough or will it be in like in the NCAA tournament, Tennessee's men's basketball program makes the tournament routinely under Rick Barnes, but then invariably underachieves and a lot of fans aren't happy about it. Well, the playoff will start out very differently, but that it, it's, it's conceivable. Fan bases always want to be going upward. Uh, they don't want to stay the same and they surely don't want to regress. So yeah, I think at some point, if you lose in the first round, that would factor into it. If you make two out of five, and you go to the championship game, uh, I don't know if fans would be that upset about that, particularly if you won a a national title. You went to the playoffs two times in five years, and you won a national title one of those years. I don't think Tennessee fans would be that upset. So it's pretty much the Marlins run of the 90s over the Braves run. Marlins went to the playoff twice, won the World Series twice. Braves went like 20 times and and only won once. It's true. The Braves do have that one World Series win. But other than that, I think most Braves fans are like, that was a huge, monstrous missed opportunity because they should have won three or four at times. Yeah, talking about the Braves, though, I mean, a couple of years ago, the Braves didn't have the best team, lost their best player, and still won the World Series. So that's kind of how those baseball playoffs can go. We've got two wild card teams in in the series now. I look at football a little differently. I I think fans might too. I agree. Let me ask you this, though, Caleb, before we talk a little bit uh, of of everybody's favorite, and that is... Um, Let me ask you this. If 
if Tennessee were to make the college football playoff twice, gets bounced out, doesn't make it the other three years, I mean, is is that a coach, Josh Heupel, in this particular instance? It'd be 2024. So 20, does he go into 2030 on the hot seat? Good Lord, that's projecting a long way. 2030? I'll be dead then. <laughs> I think it's – look, I don't think it's crazy to think about <laughs> – um, you're not be gonna be dead then, John. Let's not, don't just move on, Caleb. We're talking about mortality here. I was well, trying to like happen. not acknowledge it. I, <laughs> it's Halloween. I don't like, I don't like the juju. It. Okay, are they on the would a coach be on the hot seat? I, I, I think he would. I think he would, honestly. I, I think Josh Heupel, if you go to 2030 and you've made two playoffs and been bounced out both times, I think you're on the hot seat in 2030. I do. I think Caleb's a hot seat extremist. He wants people on the hot seat. He's very pro-hot seat and and totally, uh, totally not affected by death of people he works with, apparently, either. So. Just doesn't even provide a bump in the road to Caleb. He just keeps going. Well, we'll have to replace our Tuesday guest by 2030. I mean, <laughs> That's not the case, John. You're going to be doing the show and you're going to be doing the band. I'll be dead. But all right, here we go. I'm going to pull it together now because we're going to talk a little. And God knows you have to be serious when you talk about that because people can get very, very upset. How many minutes will Nico play against UConn? I'm putting the over-under at 15 minutes. And I wonder if Gaston Moore will play more minutes than uh, Nico will. Let me start with you, John. It's going to be a blowout. It's going to be... Uh, out of control by halftime, over under minutes. How how many do you think he will play? How much does he play against UConn? Uh, it's hard to project with minutes. Uh, I would. Why don't we go with plays? Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, we can do that. Um, you look the way your the look on your face says, "No, I said minutes, and that's what we're doing. It's my show." No, no, no. Um, Plays. Let's go plays. I like plays. Okay. I'll say 15 plays. Let's put the over-under at 15 plays, Caleb. Well, you know, let's have your input. We'll come to consensus. I don't want it to all be – Caleb might think more than that or less. I'll put it at 14 and a half plays. Are you taking the over or the under? Caleb, are you taking the over or the under? I'm taking the under. I uh, I got to be honest. I think you guys are – this is the second time y'all are doing this. I mean, what was it? Uh, what was it George Bush said? Fool me, can't get fooled again. <laughs> um, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. We already had this conversation, and it was after the Virginia game where Tennessee blew out Virginia, and we all came and John, you sat with us, and we're like, how much do you think Nico's going to play against Austin P? Because they're obviously just going to fall out of bed and just blow out Austin P. And what happened? He never it, saw the field because Joe He Milton never saw the, the field. It, and he never saw the – well, he didn't play against uh, UTSA either. So Caleb has a valid point, and one of our uh, contributors says none. 
week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when- you guys are just you guys are just thinking that last week is evidence of a blowout. I'm not so sure this team, and I'm going to say this much about Joe Milton right now. I'm very high on how well he played last week. I give him a lot of credit. Are we sure Joe Milton can handle success against UConn? I and love the way with Joe. Key. It really doesn't matter what Joe Milton does. He's always going to raise questions. How will he play on the road? How will he play in a big game? And now Caleb introduces, how will he play with success? I mean, he had a great game against Kentucky. I would think he wanted to, you know, continue to improve on that and finish on going upward here. But I had an email after a very uh, laudable column I did on Joe Milton after the Kentucky game. I thought it was the best game he's played. He completed passes on the run. He was accurate. He threw with good touches. There were no boneheaded out-of-bounds runs. And this guy said, well, maybe I need new uh, new peepers, he said. But I didn't see any difference against it in Joe Milton against Kentucky than I did any other game. Well, okay, I, no one I, said that. I thought he played really well. He I did. feel like there's some people out there, like the NFL draft, where they say uh, tank for Tua like it's Bozo for Nico. He needs to play like a complete bozo so Nico can play more. I feel like there's some people that want that regardless of the score of the game, guys. Okay, well, let's uh, let's uh, reshape the question there. Is there a possibility uh, that Nico won't play in this game? Yes. How, Caleb? He didn't play against Austin P. How are you going to howl me on this when he didn't play against Austin P? <laughs> like, how are you? Can, how are you guys trying to pretend that game didn't happen? Hey, but here's yeah, Tennessee's a better team now, though, right? They've developed uh, Cooper Mays is back in the offensive line. That gives uh, Joe Milton the more of a comfort zone. So yeah, I don't McCoy think we'll is have out. a what? But Brew McCoy is out, and he wasn't out against Austin P. Well, but he has Chas Nimrod now. <laughs> yeah, nothing changes. How it many like plays Nimrod. did he play, by the way, after that touchdown catch? Uh, I don't know. Not 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 as not as many. He seemed like he made that one big play. It's kind of like um, Chris Jones level personnel management. You hate to say. Okay, but let me ask you this, guy. Jeez. But guys, let me ask you this. Does it make Nico any better, really, to come out there and start the second half and play against UConn because it's 42 to zero? Do, do those snaps and plays against UConn with the stands half empty make you much better? At least he gets it up to. You know what it does more? It does more for the fan base than it does for Nico. Uh, I don't think you want your fan base chanting uh, on homecoming. I don't think you want your fan base chanting, we want Nico. And I think that's what you'll have in that second half until Tennessee puts him in. Unless, as Caleb says, UConn turns into a, an Austin P. Never thought I would be saying that in a complimentary <laughs> way. It turns into Austin P. and is suddenly competitive. And uh, well, yeah. and, and look at the UTSA game too, because that game, what was it? Have was wasn't it thirty-one to nothing? Uh, um, yeah. And the, well, yeah. And, and John, you brought this up, and 
the other day, Gary Harper says he needs to play to prove the fans that he's not the a bust and coaches and the coaches are hiding it. Well, that's <laughs> a dark take. Well, no, but you brought it up the other day, and I thought it's not the worst thought in the world because he's not playing at all. Um, what if it, now I was told that he was ready to go, but what's this person supposed to say that Gaston Moore's ready to go? I mean, everybody's ready to go to some extent. You could run five plays, but yeah, if he doesn't well, yeah. play at all, don't you have serious concerns about he, uh, Mr. Hey now. Oh, he, wrong he, one. He, uh, male, <laughs> he, he made it, he made it to the bus on time. He's ready to go. Um, not all of Wade Houston's basketball players could accomplish that on some of their road trips, but that's another story. I want to um, be, be real clear. I've been told by people that would know that he's absolutely not a bust, but Caleb, what if with all the expectations and all the excitement, he's just throwing every incomplete and interception pass during practice. And they're like, Holy cow, what have we done? And Merklinger, come on down. I mean, what would that, what kind of impact would that have on Tennessee's fan base? I mean, that would have a bad impact. Then you really would wish Butch <laughs> yeah. Jones. You really, you really, he really would wish Butch Jones was coaching them because Butch Jones would see that and then be like, I'm going to start that guy the way he did Nathan <laughs> Peterman back in 2013. Oh, the Nathan Peterman game. A future yes. NFL quarterback. Yeah, who threw five interceptions and a half. I think he was. I mean, however you feel about it, I think he was the guy specifically named in the Colin Kaepernick lawsuit because they were like, how is this guy in the NFL? <laughs> Here's not the worst idea from Arthur. Um, I think Jake and Nico should only play leave Joe on the bench. Who's Jake's Jake? Not on the team. Jake, Jake's not on the team till next year. He's a commitment at quarterback. Oh, I know, yeah. but okay. they still think he should play. Should you, I mean, you could fly should him you... in for the game and let him play. <laughs> should you start Nico against UConn? No, this no. is okay. John, you weren't here last week, but Dave was like basically thinking Gaston Moore's the next Peyton Manning on the show. Nobody <laughs> said that. And uh, so Dave's like really high on Gaston Moore. He loves Gaston Moore. It's his favorite player in Tennessee history. And he was telling us all, if you just start him, he'll win the Heisman just with November games. I mean, Dave uh, was really that big on Gaston. I think the most disturbing thing you said there was, John, you were not here last week. I was here. No, after when he was doing that last week. Oh, you okay. Yes, all I know right, you good. were here last week on the show. Yeah. Nobody live. thinks go. that Nico is a bust, but David says you can't start Nico. He's a bust. There we go. <laughs> okay, how about this? What happens if... What if Nico has way off topic? Uh, well, <laughs> what about a health issue? And not that he's uh, not that he has a serious injury, but Anorexia. what if uh, Tennessee is concerned about? I think Caleb has expressed this before. Uh, it's kind of a scaredy cat philosophy. What it you on know, appropriate on Halloween? What if Nico? They're concerned that he's not sturdy enough that he's too thin to be taking hits at the college level forever <laughs> no just for this year no for this for this season okay well good lord i stood next to casey clausen i could have bench pressed him at the time 
I mean, okay, but you guys keep because John has brought up Peyton Manning and Fulmer's brought up. I mean, uh, Fulmer, listen to me. Dave has brought up Casey Paulson. <laughs> oh wow! Well, both... Did you just call me Philip Fulmer? John <laughs> now hates me. Ooh. But hey, Dave, uh, I gotta sign off now. Okay, I just thought of so. I think I need to clean out my closet. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> All I was trying to say was three. I was my head was going to Fulmer with his philosophy with Clawson and Manning. It's different than what Heupel's philosophy is with his quarterbacks. Heupel wants his quarterbacks to use their legs and run, and he has designed running plays for them. I don't think Fulmer and Cutcliffe had one design run ever for Manning and Clawson. I, I think them combined, there was not one, except for one time in the six overtime win over Arkansas, Fulmer thought it'd be a good idea to call a quarterback draw with Casey Clawson on the two-point conversion. Yeah, that didn't work at all. But <laughs> normally, I felt that the reason you could have them be a little bit smaller is you weren't trying to use their legs or put them in positions to take a lot of hits in Josh Heupel system. The quarterback has to get hit some. So, I mean, that's a little, ah, that's a lot different because they have to run. They, they have to be able to run. They, he calls design runs a lot. The reason Joe Milton has finally turned it on, I think was, I think Joe Milton was limited because he couldn't run the way he usually does at the beginning of the year. I think he was more hurt than Heupel let on. He used his legs the last two weeks and look what's happened. That's a huge part of the offense. Okay. For the message board, just if I may moderate, I think some things are being lost via text. Nobody thinks that Nico is a bust. And nobody, nobody. thinks Gaston's Peyton Manning either, except Dave, but except me. And I, I think he's I think he's more arch. Man, could you imagine Derek Dooley coaching Gaston Moore since I'm the Derek Dooley fan and Dave is the Gaston Moore fan? Oh my man, that'd be a match made in heaven, right? Right, John? Derek Dooley coaching Gaston Moore. Look I at- remember Derek Dooley putting uh who was it? Justin Worthy in a game against Alabama. I think they were on about the one yard line. I think that was Justin Worthy who did that too. Welcome to college football. How many shirts do you think I could have sold at the beginning of the year that said uh, go bozo for Nico? Just that <laughs> He needs that Joe Milton needs to play as poorly as possible so that Nico can play. I don't think fans would interpret that that message the way you would want them to. So I don't think you would have sold it, but a few wouldn't sell that much. No. Well, well, I know what that's really like. bad idea. Dave. Yeah, I know. Trust but, me. I know what not selling a lot of shirts is like. OK, <laughs> so <laughs> so let's get back to the question. OK, do we have a consensus? How many? What's our consensus? We think Nico will play about how many minutes? Caleb uh, says none. No, plays, plays. You said plays. Play. 14 oh, I'm sorry. and a half. You're you the one that the changed minutes. it. Okay. I think you'll play just over 15 plays. I, I like your over-under. You said 14 and a half. Go ahead, Caleb. Seven. Seven. The fans will be outraged, Caleb. <laughs> Do you just I'm want going, to I'm, I'm going based on history. Seven plays. Also, Josh Heupel might be trying to like beef up Joe Milton's stats now that he's healthy and right. So he might be trying to have him throw for like seven touchdown passes before he pulls him. So somebody asked for what? Just so uh, he can say just just to help Joe Milton's case. I'm I'm gonna go over 15, John over under 15. I'm going right at 15. Okay, portions of the program brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. Enjoy life better when you see better. Look at me, no contacts, no glasses. A LASIK cataract surgery and regular eye examination. CCTIs.com, CCTIs.com. In the quest to keep 
Nico on the bench forever. Daniel says, if Merklinger signs in December, then he can start the bowl game, right? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, if Joe Milton goes to the NFL, no, he's not allowed to play in the bowl game, but he can practice. In exactly two minutes, the dumbest moves that coaches made over the weekend with our weekly football IQ segment. East John Adams, the one, the only Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Two minutes. Life is better when you see better. Sun, sand, and salt water. The beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK vision correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee Vol collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co., what's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, gotcha. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. With the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStar Hats Co. is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. <laughs> YouTube, Apple, Spotify. And the free off the hook sports app. I'm gonna need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. Okay, you guys have me going on the message board. Kudos. Because what am I doing? John, look at me. Uh, Dave is working like heck. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. I'm Philip Fulmer all of a sudden. Rocky Top Tom says, Well, according to some people, Jake Merklinger would already be a bust, even though he hasn't come to campus. <laughs> it's just all right would it be uh, apropos to refer as nico's girlfriend as a nico ret that's a smoking reference (laughs) david saying when did tennessee coaches realize nico was a bust smart move to keep him benched excellent talent assessment on apple's part he's not a bust (laughs) what is happening they're just having fun with it, Dave. Don't take I think they are, and I love it. You're making me laugh so hard during the break that I'm having to wipe my the tears off my eyes. All right. Uh, 
Pardon me. All right, here we go. So Football RQ, which is our favorite segment of the week with John Adams. Want to get your input as well as we go along. So basically, here's how this works. Caleb's going to pull up some of the dumbest coaching moves uh, over the weekend. And they're, they're all dumb. But there are different levels of dumb. One level of dumb is this. That's crazy. Okay. And the other level of dumb is this. You suck. <laughs> and then, which never that gets always old. makes us laugh. I uh, know every single time. And yeah. the new level of complete dumbness is via Peyton Manning. They're like, that is total bullshit. Okay. So <laughs> go. All right. So what level of dumb? Caleb, get us rolling here. In honor of Halloween, I have a quick question. Uh, yes. Either, slasher films. I don't know if either of you guys watch slasher films. I like slasher films. I'll put this up to the message boards. Who makes worse? De- whose decision making is worse on average? Victims of stabbings in slasher films because they always make the dumb decision to get themselves killed or your average coach in a football game? Uh, probably slot. Uh, I don't know, How, man. I'll see some what, dumb moves. With, with the victims in the slasher films, would you think coaches would probably make the same decisions those victims make, right? <laughs> Not yeah, all and if the you, coaches, though. I mean, in the slasher films, it's pretty much a given. Uh, well, they did a commercial on it. Remember that <laughs> yeah. commercial where they say, oh, let's go hide in the barn or something. Oh, great <laughs> idea. Yes. Uh, I'm just saying it's a debate on the intelligence levels. So, number five. That's that's very fair. I I can roll with you on that portion of the program brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning. Let's get to Football IQ. 50 years in East Tennessee, integrity matters. Don't trust a fly-by-night HVAC company to tell you that you need a new unit uh, that could cost you thousands or more. Might just be a part or some free on. Go to City Heating and Air, or I'm sorry, cityheatandair.com. City Heating and Air, uh, they'll take care of you. Let's go, Caleb. What's the first up? And we'll see just how dumb this uh, move was by coaches over the weekend. What do we got? All right, so number five, uh, one of the undefeated teams, James Madison, was on the brink of an upset, of being upset this weekend because Old Dominion was playing James Madison. Old Dominion had the ball trailing 30 to 27 with a minute 40 to go. It was third and 14. Back-to-back stupid decisions. Ricky Ryan first calls a timeout, which y'all know how I feel about taking timeouts to talk about plays. I think it's dumb. If you can't figure out a play in 40 seconds, you, you already have issues. Okay. So I always hate that. But then coming out of the timeout on third and 14 with a minute 40 to go in his brilliance and genius, he calls a draw. Dude, didn't seem like yes, that'd be calls- a hard play to call. I'm going to give that right down the middle. You suck. Yes. Jackass. All right. What do you say, John? Uh-oh. Did we lose John? No, no. I said that referring to the uh, you suck <laughs> reference. Okay. All right. Not good at all. Uh, John, let us know if you have any that stand out over the weekend. Caleb, what else you got? By the way, Elias says, my opinion of the intelligence of your average college coach is not great, but that's a low bar. Okay. Well, come on, guys. These are absolutely fantastic. This one uh, from somebody... Uh, did ODU pull a high pull? Did they go for it on fourth and one from their own 36 and blow the lead? 
Do we want to look back? Going for it. That was the problem. It was the play call. I'm sticking with my guns on that. We want to look back on that one from the Alabama game because I will tell you what that is, Peyton. They're like, that is total bullshit. All right. What do you think, Caleb? All right. Number four. um, Another upset that should have been pulled off. Indiana is playing Penn State. Penn State leads the game 24 to 21. And with five minutes left, they throw an interception. Spotting Indiana the ball, first down inside the Penn State 20. Tom Allen runs it three times and plays for the field goal. Even worse, they were averaging less than three yards a carry. And Tom Allen, in his press conference at the end, said that we didn't want to risk a takeaway. It was good to play for the tie right there because we wanted to go, you know, make sure we had it tied. Of course, Penn State went down the field and scored a game-winning touchdown. Golly, John, I don't want to wear it out, but that is... They're like, that is total bullshit. <laughs> I mean, John, that to be that conservative in this day and age of college football, I mean, goodness gracious. He, Tom Allen needs to remember where he's coaching. He's coaching at Indiana, and he's playing Penn State. Does anybody... Is anybody alarmed if Indiana loses? That's I cool. hate it. I hate it when coaches start, and I've seen it happen as soon as they get it in field goal range. Some coaches start saying, okay, let's set this up for a field goal, get, get in the right spot, maybe make a few yards and get closer. Instead of going for it and trying to score a touchdown, it's, I don't get that at all. And you see it particularly late in games. It's like an Indiana coach, basketball coach, saying we're not going to shoot the three anymore because that leads to long rebounds. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Caleb, what else you got? Um, All right. So number three, uh, Brent Venables finally looked like the non-head coach, not cut out for head coach that Dave and I have been saying he was for a while. We knew it was going to come, Dave, right? And yeah, I felt came... pretty sure that that was happen- going to happen. That was, I, I call it uh, the uh, the Chavis effect. <laughs> so Indiana, I'm sorry, not Indiana. Um, Oklahoma suffered the upset loss of the weekend to Kansas. On the opening drive of the second half is where the fail was. They were averaging six yards a carry, running it down Kansas's throat up 21 to 17. They get near midfield because they're running. They bring up a third and three. And Brent Venables is like, hey, they're not going to be expecting a sweet pass, guys. Let's do that, even though we're running it well up the middle. So they call a sweet pass that gets stopped for no gain. And then wait, wait, it gets better. They take a delay of game. Then after taking the delay of game, as they get set to punt, they don't have the formation right. So he burns a timeout to punt the ball. Youch. Takes a timeout to punt. Oh. Yes. Where are we John. going with that? I think I Peyton manning it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, I think you did. That Peyton Manning it again? They're like, that is total bullshit. Yeah. Uh, didn't I he think... apo- John, didn't he apologize at the end of the game for blowing it for his players too, Brent Venables? I didn't hear that, but he should have. Um, <laughs> Oklahoma should have lost that game. Uh, I, though Kansas is a, you know, Kansas is a pretty good team, but I, I just, Oklahoma, so much was at stake there. And so he did... He went against Caleb on two things because he Caleb hates the timeouts to make a call and then the punt. <laughs> no, so that's like I the worst didn't thing. Mind that punt. <laughs> Caleb oh, come starts, on now. Caleb starts you twitching on that punts. one. Punts are turnovers. Look, they are, but the okay, gospel, the gospel according to Caleb, they're turnovers. 
Yes, but there's a difference between a punt I might disagree with, and I still disagree with that because I do think punting is overused, and one that I think is incredibly stupid. I don't think that was a dumb punt because it was a fourth and eight because of the delay of game. No, I would blame him for the delay of game. I'll tell you that. But I, I also am just angry at the 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 jet sweep. So like I think of going back to the Tom Allen, going back to the Tom Allen situation. I don't mind running it in field goal range late if you're running it down their throats. So, John, remember Tennessee, Florida, 2017, Butch Jones's last masterpiece of coaching malpractice where John Kelly was running it down Florida's throat. They couldn't stop him. They get inside the 10 and he's like, let's call three straight passes. They won't be expecting that, guys. And so, <laughs> Hey, let me let me ask you guys this on the message board. And then, John, I want to ask you and Caleb this, too. If, if Josh Heupel loses a game and it's caught – mismanagement or he refuses to play Nico or whatever the case may be. Um, is it good to stand in front of a podium and say, that's on me. The players played really well and they should have won the game and I made a mistake or does it make you look even worse? Is it better just to take the blame at that point or does it make you look like a bigger buffoon? I think people, I think fans are big on accountability because so many coaches don't have accountability. And they talk about, uh, they'll make a token gesture by saying, well, we we should have coached better. That's on me. It's ultimately my responsibility. But that's just a, a token assessment. Uh, I think when you when you're willing to say, specify a play and said that was a bad call on my part so what about after the florida game let me ask you caleb this if he said i have to be honest i forgot dylan sampson was on the team (laughs) how would that how would that play guys that wouldn't play well that wouldn't play well uh no they but i i do think coaches need to be accountable uh I just think that's important to a fan base because it you're going to talk about you're going to talk about plays in a game after in a post-game press conference. And you're going to say what players did wrong in many cases. And I think the reaction to fans of a reaction from fans a lot of times is, yeah, okay, well, he shouldn't have fumbled the ball, but you shouldn't have made that call. You shouldn't have punted the ball there. That's what Caleb would be thinking. Why did you punt it? Uh, Daniel, Daniel, you hit. Daniel says, "Jackass." Uh, accountability uh, goes uh, how the coaching goes. It can only happen so many times. You're right. I think if you're uh, a six and six football team, and after every loss, you say that's on me, <laughs> then you, you've created a little uh, bit, of, a little bit of no, an issue, John. No, I agree, but you don't want to run it into the ground. And I think it was we talked about this before when. Uh, in Arkansas's game where Sam Pittman <laughs> couldn't des- couldn't decide what he wanted to do uh, after timeout is he want to kick it or or whatever and then he said I just couldn't I just didn't know what to do there you don't want to <laughs> say that you don't you don't want to come come across as dumber than a bag of rocks I think that's important but I think it's okay to admit admit yeah, we probably made the wrong call there. I think that's fine. Uh, particularly in Heupel's case, if you already have the reputation of being a great offensive coach. So 
it's it, it's okay to say those things but you don't want as you said you don't want to make it routine gosh you know what i was even worse this week than i was the last week and the week before that and i was I pretty bad both saturdays yeah all right. oh, man hot damn it i just froze up there <laughs> I completely melted down. I'm embarrassed and ashamed. Uh, Caleb, what else do you got for us? I'm All right, bored. we got two more, and I think I, I think I can get Peyton Manning out of both of these still. But y'all tell me. So, I, did y'all? Did you guys watch Oregon State get upset by Arizona over the weekend, twenty-seven to twenty-four? Yes, I did. So, John may know where I'm going, but at the end of the first half, um, Oregon State's head oh. coach, Jonathan Smith, decided to channel. Less miles. It was three seconds left in the half. Oregon State's going for a field goal because there's three seconds left. It's a 33-yard field goal. They're, they they spot the ball, you know, the, where the kicker holds, where they hold the ball, where they're holding it. It's 23 yards to the end zone. He decides to call a fake toss to the kicker and have the kicker run 23 yards, try to run 23 yards to the end zone for a touchdown with three seconds left. Needless to say, it didn't work. You that- suck, you jackass. You know, I actually prefer the you suck you sucked in the Peyton thing because of the, it's the tone and the enthusiasm he puts into the comment. Uh, no, that was one of the dumbest calls of the year, and I really like him as a coach. I think he's done a terrific job there at Oregon State, and he tried to explain it, and it just it didn't work because I think you know how coaches do when they study video and they look at this thing and say. Here's what will work against that alignment. And it could be on a, it could be in punt coverage, but then so, somewhere there's got to be a voice in your brain that says, wait a minute, this will be the last play. <laughs> yeah. Like that could get, and it did get a first down, but you didn't need a first down. You needed you, a no. touchdown. Yeah. He sh- <laughs> So all right, uh, we're, we're getting all kinds of votes for Dabo. We're going to get to his comments comments as he goes full Jerry Green on a fan, I believe, on his coach's show. So what, what else we got, Caleb, on Football IQ? Uh, brought right. to you in part by our friends at Harold Group Security Solutions, a leadership experience specialization addressing problems through unique mission-specific mitigation techniques, making your children safer one school at a time. Go to heraldgrp.com. We're working private schools now. Want to work with public schools, so go to your school administrator. Say, Harold Group Security Solutions. I want my children safe. Same for your workplace. Harold Group Security Solutions. What we got, Caleb? All right, so number one, we got a former Tennessee defensive coordinator, Justin Wilcox, is oh. on this list. Um, Wait, remember Powell, that guy was like the hottest commodity in the history of college football coaching? Well, but he did do a nice job with Tennessee with considering what he had to work with under Derek Dooley. I mean, the, oh, he's a good defensive coach. He's yeah. a very good defensive coach. And he's lasted at Cal a lot longer than I thought he was, which really speaks to Cal, how, it, how seriously it takes football. Yeah, That's well, very I mean, one, I mean, one day it could rule the Pac-3. <laughs> no, they're already going. No, to the ACC. they're gone too. <laughs> they're in the ACC. So, all right. So here's what happened over the weekend. Cal fought their guts out at you against USC at home. They played very well. Fifty to forty-three late. <laughs> they score a touchdown with fifty-eight seconds left to make it fifty to forty-nine. Now they have three timeouts left. Now. Justin Wilcox decides to go for two in the win. I got no issue with that. I don't think you guys do either. You're the underdog. You know USC's the better team. Try to get the win right there. 
I may debate since they were at home, maybe play for overtime, but I don't got any issue with that. What I have an issue is, and I'm going back to it, Justin Fine. Wilcox burns the timeout to talk about the two-point play. So when they don't get the two-point play, USC is able to run out the clock on the other side. If Justin Wilcox saves that timeout, they can use all three timeouts when USC gets the ball back, and then they have another chance at potentially a game-winning field goal with roughly 40 seconds on the clock. But Justin Wilcox, again, you know, guys, 40 seconds isn't enough to try to figure out a play to run on the two-point conversion. So let me take this timeout and totally end any second chance I have of winning this game if I don't get this two-point conversion. Yeah, to me, that's, John, that's a definite. You suck, you jackass. But here's the reason I think it's even worse than what Caleb said is those two-point plays, you should have four, three or four just ready to go. And I've seen, you know, back when practice was open, I've seen them practice that. Go, 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 get it in, get it in. And you should, that should be coaching 101. Yeah, Dave, I I mean, I would give him, uh, if I I don't remember, I didn't see that game, but if you line up to make that, to run that play, you've got your two-point conversion. And you see an alignment against which your play might not work. I could see calling a timeout there if you know that play is not going to work. I did. Caleb, did he? Did they line? Were they up lined there? up? Were they lined up when? He, no, uh, it was well, a timeout they, to talk about the play. No, well then Dave's right. I remember last season when LSU beat Alabama, uh, and Brian Kelly went into detail about why he went for two points instead of kicking because he had he was so. He was so uh, certain that his two-point play that they had worked on would work in this game in that situation. He went for it, and he did win the game. You're right. You've got to have all these same things. I mean, it's the same way with fourth and one. You've got to play. This has got to be your play. You've got several plays that you would you would want to run, so you shouldn't need to call out timeout. That, that, was, that was at least crazy. No. I don't – and with Brian Kelly's, if you want to – I think that was in overtime, wasn't it? Uh, I thought it was at the end of regulation. John, do you remember? Maybe it was. I thought it was like with like six seconds left. Yeah, I did too. That's how I remembered it. Did well, he, he... Six seconds left, though, you don't need the timeout as much because there's six seconds left in the game. But – when there's 58 seconds left and you have all three timeouts and you could get the ball back, even if it's a bad alignment, I don't think you take the timeout because you have the chance to get the ball back in this situation. Do you? Yeah, but, go ahead, John. Well, I just noticed that a lot of these examples that Caleb is bringing up are underdogs with a chance to knock off a better team. And for some reason, the coaches don't perform well. I think that's an interesting you know, take on it. Why, you know, uh, here your team's playing well, your team is overachieving, and then kind of the coach underachieves. John, part of the reason you have those three or four plays, and that's that's part of the reason that some of the, if you remember when, when you didn't have to go for two, that there were a lot, there's a lot of goofiness in some of the overtimes because you play, you, you, you run your best three or four plays. Part of the reason you do that, John, is because you catch the defense a little bit by surprise because you got your play ready because you know your best three or four goal line plays and those are your two point plays. To me, that that's befuddling. I mean, even for a high school coach with any experience. Yeah, but 
That's why we have this segment. <laughs> it's true. Um, Arthur says, I have an honest question uh, to John Adams. Should Nico get more playing time? We've addressed it a little bit, but it, it never hurts to talk a little bit of. I certainly think he should have played more this season. And uh, we've discussed it. John, your thoughts. Yeah, well, I think any backup quarterback should have played more. I, I just think you need to have, I think you need to give a backup quarterback some meaningful snaps. It can just be one series, uh, but put him in a game when the game is still somewhat in doubt. Uh, but yeah, if something happens to Joe Milton, you have to bring in Nico with no playing time, basically. So, uh, yeah, I would have certainly given him more playing time. John, I missed something. Do you have a couple more minutes? You missed something? Yes. The part that said, the part where I said, I won't be alive then. Did you miss that? No, here we go. Give me, give me eight minutes. Say wow. All right, here we go. It is, uh, I, f- I forgot a very important topic that I'm excited about. What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. There's this push online, and uh, my apologies, John. Um, for Tennessee to wear, since it's UConn, some sort of uh, blue uniform, like a faded blue uniform in honor of pat summit i think this is breast cancer awareness month is october so it will be november but i uh yeah so but nevertheless would you would you hate that now that we're in the era of alternate jerseys and thoughts on the message board what about a uh, a blue jersey um we it, caleb if you can pull up an example of it i'd love to see it and show john but john what would you think about that I think it would be great. I mean, Tennessee's already established the fact that it's going to use alternate uniforms. And I don't think you can go wrong by honoring Pat Summit, not just for what she did for her basketball program, winning eight national titles, what she did for her sport and what she did for the University of Tennessee. I mean, yeah, I love that uniform. There it is. Uh, it's got, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, be sure and hit the like and subscribe button. I think that thing looks tight. And if you would have told me light blue, John, orange, and white, I would have told you that's going to look like garbage. But when I see it, it looks really good. Uh, Unlike you, Dave, I knew it would look really good. Those colors just go together. I don't know why you would have had that opinion. Well, John's a Florida fan. That's what we just found out. I love Florida's uniform. I love UCLA's uniforms. I think UCLA has the best uniforms in the biz, personally. So with now the question is though, guys, let's be honest. Would that sell? Because that's what a lot of these uniforms are about. It's partially about recruiting, but it's also about are they going to sell more unis at the UT shop, which uh, isn't carrying celebrate ninety eight the untold stories behind Tennessee's nineteen ninety eight national championship. But you can find it at Hound Dogs. You can also find it at Sports Treasures, and you can find Alumni Hall, but not the UT shop. So don't go there. Uh, but your thoughts on, John, um, would they sell more unis? Would they sell more of these? I think the Lady Vol fans would gobble this thing up. Oh, there's no doubt about that. It would, it would. would. I think it would sell very well. And I think there's some fans. I mean, Tennessee has great fans and so many of them. I think they want to have uh, all the alternates. 
but I think because of Pat Summit, uh, how much she meant to the school, how much she meant to the fan base. Uh, I mean, there's a stature of her over there. I think that says it all. And uh, so I think they would sell very well. And it's a really good, I really like this uniform. I think it would be the best uniform Tennessee's ever worn. Wow. Um, so John, how many, how many national championships did you win? Was it seven? Eight. Eight. What about the number eight and then summit on the back? Even if they didn't wear them, I think that would sell like crazy. Caleb, what do you think? I don't know if you need the number. I think the number eight might confuse. Could you imagine being a broadcaster and you see the number eight and then the player's number and you're trying to figure out who the player is? Well, no, no, no. And, and I'm not saying Pat. they should raise Pat Summit that she should play. I'm just talking about in the shops to sell the jerseys. Well, so, it, oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and, and I wanted to bring up a couple of things on this because this is actually a big deal because I've talked about this for a while. In the age of NIL, this is why they're setting all these fundraising goals. The reason they're doing this is because they want the boosters to cobble up that money to buy players, meaning they have to figure out other ways to raise money to do some of the other things they want at the universities now. And so you're going to see more alternate uniforms because you need to see more jerseys sell. And so I'm, I think this is a big deal. I also think that I wonder, and John, and you could attest to this. I've talked with Dave some about it, or you could give me your thoughts. I feel like the Lady Vol fan base is actually a little bit unique. Like the actual hardcore Lady Vol fan base is a little bit different from the Tennessee football and basketball fan base. And I do feel like it's a group that was that was there when Title IX and the university embraced it in the 1970s. And they're very protective of that brand. Um, and do you think this would play well with that fan base? Or do you think it'd be upsetting that it, to them that a men's sport is using the, the blue jerseys now? No, I think that that's a really good point to bring up. I think, it, the, I think the fans would really embrace it. I think they will see it in the way it was intended. You're right. There's a hardcore Lady Vol fan base that will always be there. And some of those fans are not necessarily big fans of the rest of the program. They don't live and die with Tennessee football, but they live and die with Lady Vols basketball. So what happens, though, when Tennessee's doing well, like in any sport, more fans join. I, I mean, you have other fans too, but there's that hardcore fan base, and some of them aren't as excited about the other sport. The Lady Vols basketball team is their team. But I think anything that honors Pat Summit, uh, those fans would really embrace, and I think they'd be uh, all for it. Yeah, and this point made on our message board, what would be cool is Vols on it somewhere using the Lady Vols logo font, uh, which is a different logo. John, I go back to when they wanted to make it one logo and just get away from the two logos, which, listen, I, I work in, in marketing. I understand you don't want two logos you don't want to create two logos from the get-go, but if you've already got them established, you're not turning them down. Nike's not taking away the Air Jordan logo so that it can have just one. I thought that, I, looking back, was that not the dumbest move by an administrator that you can ever recall outside of hiring or firing coaches? Yeah, D Dave Hart's decision about what to do with the Lady Vols, when you're talking about perhaps the most famous uh, brand in women's college sports, certainly one of the most, uh, to change that 
it ultimately led to his uh, departure. You think that was that big of a factor, really? Yes. Well, that combined, he upset the Lady Vol fan base, but then there was just the totally PR mishandling of the sexual assault lawsuits that the that the women's groups had filed against Tennessee that happened right around the same time. Um, and I, I would never forget Dave Hart having all the coaches call this press conference to try to talk about it. And Butch Jones coming surreal. out and saying this. Butch that Jones came out and said bizarre. this is bad for recruiting. And <laughs> One of the strangest things I've ever seen. Yeah, he paraded course, all the coaches out there, and we're one. We're it's such a beautiful place to be. We love this place. Everybody loves each other. Yeah, yeah. And Butch well, Jones, of course, said this is hurting our recruiting, as if that matters when you're worried about an issue of sexual assault on campus. You know that yeah. that that really makes the university look good. No, but I just think uh, I think when Dave Hart did that, it was a classic case of uh, it's dumber than any of the examples uh, Caleb has brought up with dumb coaches. It was a classic case of of all the things to do. Why why would you even think about doing that? It was just yeah, he was going out of your way to to uh, get detractors. John, I think he was hired to be a hatchet man, and there were there were at least five hundred associate athletic directors running around making one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So I got that you you needed to get rid of some people to trim the budget, but that does not mean you get rid of the Lady Vols logo. And I, I'm I, I'm pleasantly surprised that uh, there's support for the uh, blue jersey in the Yukon game. I'm, I didn't think that would be the case. Um, so we'll, we'll see if we can get that done. And it brings it back around because uh, who wears number eight currently for the balls guys, you, you know who that is, right? Hmm? I know who it is. Yeah, I know who it is. Okay. So if you went number eight for Pat summit, then that's the only way that Jersey is seen in public. Dave, I don't think a lot of people are going to make that connection. <laughs> why it, Why is there number eight on the jersey? And, and I don't think people, most people immediately respond with, oh, well, Pat Summit won eight national titles. I what, think uh, what other number are you going to put? How Summit on one? the back and eight because she won eight. That would sell like crazy. How about number one because she was number one? Eh, Caleb, decide it for us. I think put eight on the helmet. Put it on the helmet. Like <laughs> the, the way Tennessee Where's the cop the out, Caleb? Like no way, power T, just a big eight? No, 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 no. Like the way Tennessee put the 92 on the helmet when Reggie White passed away and they played the Cotton Bowl. They put the nine and the two on either side. But the helmet but was we're talking it, about the jersey if they no, sold the blue jersey. You, you can't have all the players wear eight on the field. No, I don't mean that. I just mean the jersey that you're selling in the UT shop. Yeah. I mean, but then there, I mean, honestly, in the age of NIL, couldn't there be, here's a question. This is an honest question, actually. If you do that, couldn't there actually be like a lawsuit from Nico to say, well, I should get the proceeds from that because that's me. And some people were like, no, this is an honor of Pat Summit. That'd be the first NIL lawsuit, wouldn't it? Caleb, you... A lot of times you remind me of an attorney. Did you go to law school for just a brief time, maybe? No. 
I did study constitutional history in college, so I all right. Now Nico, now Nico's anti-cancer awareness. All right, fantastic job. Thank you, John. I'm sorry we went long, but I forgot that subject. I'm glad we got it in. Thank you, sir. Thanks, guys. He's John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel. There's nobody better. In two minutes, Tennessee's got some players that are winning some big-time awards. One was a little bit of a surprise, though. In two minutes, he's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols! Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine a drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity a hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend a refreshment that can only be found in one place with a taste that makes you say give me three bottles of the good stuff tennessee cider company where necessity can be found objective coverage hey that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. Rocky Top Tom saying, and I love this. I, I It's one of those times we're visiting with fans, with you guys. And it's why I mean this when I say it. I love the community that we're building. You really changed my mind on this. I thought the blue uniforms were the dumbest idea I'd heard this week. And now I'm like all for them. Rocky Top Tom says, how about blue uniforms? Everyone has their normal number, but the name slot put Summit. I don't necessarily hate that either. And, you know, I... You've won me over. If, if I could make the call, now don't do it Lane Kiffin style where you throw together a jersey in 48 hours, okay, uh, like you did with the black ones. But you guys won me over. And uh, Smoky Mountain Red says this too. Absolutely. Anything that's uh, – I don't even like saying the letter. Bleep you to Gino. I'm all for it. So, Smoky Mountain Red, there you go. I like that a lot. Uh, because, man, I'll tell you what, that, that – Gino, uh, the Gino cat. I don't care if you like the lady balls or like UConn or who you like, but man, I don't like him at all. Last thing Travis says before we move on, Tyler summit can come in and play backup quarterback. I don't think Tyler summit is ever going to be a representative of the university again. 
in any way, shape, or form. Well, but at least it'd be comfortable comfortable being around um, people his own age. moving forward the hemp house the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety great selection and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in cbd or delta products use the promo code hooked it's hooked go to hemp house chat with two t's.com hemp house chat with two t's.com remember support our sponsors they're all below and you can get this the big orange crunch hit that like and subscribe if you are on youtube we would greatly appreciate that like and subscribe let's do that right now all right so this is uh very interesting to me i was a little bit surprised uh that Dabo sweeney and this is so funny because this was about a week removed from his anniversary of um him him saying the clemsoning um, and Clemsoning, for those that don't know, that was a saying that was popular around Clemson's program. And it was essentially this. It was you you don't win the was it you don't win the big games or you slip up against the lesser opponents. I'm trying to remember which one. Caleb, do you remember? I thought it was the slipping up against lesser opponents, but I didn't that it, that goes back to the Tommy Bowden days, doesn't it? Well, no, he had just ta- he was like in his second year. So the, it may go back to the Tommy Bowden days, but anyway, somebody asked him about Clemson and he, he went off and I kind of didn't blame him. I mean, you know, that's, that's an insult. Um, and I wouldn't have asked that question, but here he goes off just, and if you haven't heard this, it's crazy. And I'll give you uh, my thoughts. So I'm going to go ahead and pull this up and you play it. So this is Dabo Sweeney. Is this his coach's show, by the way? Yes, it's a coach's call-in show. So before we get started, I'm going to say a fan called in who was a longtime Clemson fan and basically said he was Not being, reminded, <laughs> being reminded of the Tommy Bowden era. And then he also said, quote, why are we paying you $11.5 million? And talked about all the ways Clemson's underachieving this year at 4-4. Four and four. I'm going to play a little snippet of how Dabo responded. So right, here that. we go. We won 11 games last year, and you're part of the problem. Can we get can we get a little more levels out of that? Here, let's 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 go back uh, let's go back a little bit. I need to I need to hear some more levels out of that. Can we get that a little bit louder? Um, yeah, sure. Okay, How's this sound? Let me tell you something. Uh, we won eleven games last year, and you're part of the problem. I need a little bit more. Can we get a little bit more from that on the audio player? This is as loud as I can get it. The expectation is greater than the appreciation. Okay, we're gonna have to paraphrase what he said because I can't hear it. So, uh, but that's okay. okay. Tell me, tell me what he said. That's okay. And he attacks the he attacks the fans. Uh, give tell me what he said. So what did he say, Caleb? Uh, one second. Sorry, I had a my mind just. Now is uh, now we're having Caleb connection issues. So uh, we'll get through Caleb connection issues. Uh, but between him and Dabo Sweeney, I can't hear what anybody's saying. I don't think it's on uh, my end. I go back to the Jerry Green situation when Jerry Green was asked, and I'm sure a lot of you remember this. And I'm curious, is this when Jerry Green, despite making NCAA tournament runs, kind of lost you as a fan? And 
if you remember, he said the fans can go to Walmart and rent or Kmart and rent a movie if they'd rather watch that. That's the last thing you do is to tell fans, if you don't like it, just go away. So what was it Dabo said? Uh, Dabo, Dabo went on a rant and said to the fan, you're part of the problem. He said, we won 11 games last year. He said, we're one of three schools in 150 years to win 12 games or more for, I think, like 10 straight years joining Alabama and Georgia. He said, we're one of we're one of three schools, Alabama and Georgia, to win back-to-back national or to win two national titles this decade or the, since the college football playoff era began. And he pointed out like they hadn't sniffed a title in 30. He basically defended his own resume. And he said they haven't sniffed a title in 35 years before I got there or before I took over as head coach. And he said, you're, then he said, you're probably one of the people who did, who wanted me fired after my second year as a head coach. You're probably one of the people who didn't like my hire of Tony Elliott, yada, yada, yada. And kind of went on a rant. And it, I, I, it does sound like Jerry Green going to Kmart, but Dave, this is, I, I'm, I'm usually the hardest on coaches. I think he's got a point. He may have a point, but you don't say that. Um, and I, I, I think it's a sign too, that things are crumbling at Clemson, which we've already talked about. So I know we all have a lot of South Carolina and Georgia listeners as well. This is good for you. This is good for Tennessee. If Clemson crumbles, which I believe they are in the midst of doing, and I think Brent Venables was a huge loss. I don't think he'll be a great head coach, but I thought he was a huge loss because of the way he ran that defense. And now he's at Oklahoma. So, uh, is he a David the, Cutcliffe level loss? Uh, yes, I, I I think that's a very apt comparison. I think you turn one side of the ball over him. I've, I've actually thought about that before. So yeah, I mean, Caleb, that is um, that to me is a sign things are crumbling at Clemson. And at some point, you know, Dabo Sweeney's always seemed like the guy to me that would re- retire earlier. I wouldn't be stunned if he retired after this year or the next year. Or maybe just takes another job somewhere because he doesn't feel like he's appreciated. Kind of the Spurrier after Florida moment. But I got to be honest, I think Dabo, the reason I want to say, I know you say you don't say it, but something I'm realizing about Dabo more than anything else is we got to give him this. We complain all the time about coaches lying. Well, then I'm not going to complain when they're honest. Unless Dabo is the most honest coach out there and he doesn't care if it hurts his brand. He's personally against NIL. He complains about it. No other coach is going to complain about NIL because they know they need it for recruiting. He has a philosophical belief against the transfer portal, so he's not going to use it. Again, I disagree with him on that. I think that's stupid, but that's his thought process. Nate, can we just, and now he's going off because he doesn't feel like he's appreciated because it's hard to do what he did at Clemson, guys. And let me bring this up. Yes, Dabo Kashian on Tennessee struggling. He did. But he also had to share a state the first half of his coaching career with Steve Spurrier at South Carolina. You know how hard it was to recruit at Clemson when Steve Spurrier's coaching the other school and he's a Hall of Fame coach? And at the time, before Spurrier retired, we all would have agreed Spurrier was a greater coach than Dabo Sweeney. Now it's changed. Dabo probably has a higher legacy than Spurrier. but And also, Georgia was still recruiting well under Mark Rick, which is where Clemson gets a lot of its talent. So Dabo didn't have the easiest job, and he won two national titles at a school not built to win two national titles. I, I just think that he's... Can we pause, Dave, and at least give Dabo credit for being the most honest coach that's in college football today? I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I still don't think you say it, okay? I don't I don't think you say it. And I'm curious at our message board. If Josh Heupel came out and said, basically, if you don't think you can do this job and you're part of the problem, 
you can apply for the job. Would that turn you off as a Tennessee fan? Or would you be like, heck yeah, that fan's in the wrong. Uh, I'm curious on the message board, which side you would take. I don't think you say it. I especially don't think, but you know, he got away with the Clemsoning thing. I would have told you after the Clemsoning thing, when he really berated a reporter that this guy's not going to last. He's not going to win two national titles. He's not even going to win an ACC title. I would have thought that at the time. So yes, he's, he's brutally open and honest. Um, and, and maybe he's fine with this and that's just his MO, but it just, it looks like the optics are bad, that things are cracking at Clemson. Uh, Smoky so, Mountain Red says Dabo thinks pretty highly of himself, but I'm, I'm curious specifically, and Elias addressed the question, if Heupel said that, I'd be worried that he'd be replaced by a doppelganger. Not sure what that mm-hmm. means. Um, if Heupel uh, ever acts like Dabo or Beamer ever, I'm out, but you'll still listen to the show, right, Travis? Okay. Caleb? But, okay, let's... There is a difference on how you sell things. So when Butch Jones was at Tennessee after Tennessee underachieved and went, and I know I, I harp on Butch Jones a lot on this show. I do, but I'm sorry. I just, I've covered that 2017 team and just, I just don't like the guy. I'll be, I'll be upfront. But the right after Tennessee underachieved in 2016, Butch Jones went to SEC media days and said, we've won nine wins, games back-to-back years. That hasn't been done in a long time here in Tennessee. It was done less than a decade before. And he acted like that was some historical accomplishment. What Dabo did at Clemson is a historical accomplishment. And and since you put it, I'm seeing Travis's point on the message board with uh, Amari Rogers and T. Higgins and Trevor Lawrence. But Travis, that was for a second national title. Deshaun Watson for his first. And I'm tired of this whole, if they didn't get this guy, they wouldn't have won a national title. Yeah, that's college football. That's how it works. Okay, you guys are judging everything by the Nick Saban standard, which is unfair. If 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 Urban Meyer doesn't have Tim Tebow, he's not winning the 2008 national title. So what? That's part of football is getting those players. And you can't say, if you didn't get this recruit and this recruit and this recruit and this recruit, well, how many, how many times are you going to use that excuse? Yeah, he got talent. That's how you win national championships. Am I right? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think this is a really good point by Smoky Mountain Red. In my opinion, Dabo is acting like he is the program or that he is bigger than the program. He well, is. Yeah, he is. That's what I was going to say. I mean, because it wasn't anything before he got there. That doesn't, again, mean you should say it. You've got to just bite your tongue and move forward. We love it. It's content. But if I'm his PR guy, I'm like, you shouldn't have done that. But the thing is, just like Tennessee – They've gone through four, five PR people in the past 15 years. I mean, so, I mean, do those guys know what they're doing half the time and helping their coach look as intelligent as possible and, and, and look presentable? Probably not. Is the Tennessee job uh, one that people wanted during the Butch Jones era? Probably not. These guys all talk. That's why Tennessee's had... Uh, Five different sports information directors since Bud Ford decided to retire and sue the university. I mean, that. Well, yeah. And, but for Dabo, I think the philosophy is that his honesty has gotten him this far because he's been so honest his whole time. And he's, I mean, another one, I mean, look, Dabo in 2016, when the, and I, when the Kaepernick stuff happened, Dabo came out and came out against the kneeling and however you feel, I, I, I understand a lot of people are against it. I don't care if you're against it or for it, 
But you worry that that might, if you're Dabo, you're like, that might hurt him recruiting certain players who might feel a way about it. Didn't hurt him at all. It worked for him. Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, they want to be your jeweler looking for affordable game day jewelry. How about the Fire Opals, the Tennessee tradition? Go to rickterryjewelry.com, rickterryjewelry.com. And some Vols winning awards, SEC Weekly Awards, Caleb. One of them I think was very deserved, Charles Campbell, who's just become automatic as a field goal, kick, field goal kicker. And last year, you would have said, who cares? He's just kicking extra points. But this year, they need him because they're not finishing inside the red zone. I thought that was very appropriate. Then we get to John Campbell, who was a co-offensive lineman of the week. And you had a bit of an issue with that. Why? Yes, I was not a fan of that. Um, I... So the first one is he picked up a holding penalty that he had a holding penalty that did kill a drive on Saturday at Kentucky. Joe Milton was sacked twice. Now I went back and watched video of one of the sacks and I was criticizing Milton for holding the ball, but I went back and looked at it, Dave, and somebody put this on Twitter. Joe had two and a half seconds to get rid of the ball. If, if you're sacked within three seconds, it's on the offensive line usually. Right. And That's and I saw, so his first, and, and then someone showed the footage. Joe's first progression wasn't there. His second progression wasn't there. His third read was open. But you don't have time to go to your third read if you only have two and a half seconds to get rid of the ball. Now, I will say, maybe you could say Joe Milton should have should have known, because Peyton Manning would have known that his third read was going to be open before he snapped the ball, because he could see the defensive coverage and say, oh, that guy's going to be the one who's open. But can, is that really fair to expect Joe Milton to or any college quarterback to typically know that their third read is going to be open before they snap the ball. Didn't didn't uh, John Campbell leave the game for a moment too when he was injured? Yeah, he got banged up in the game too. Yeah. Okay, so so work with me here because you you may think I'm crazy at first and I didn't bring this up to you because I wanted your your fresh take on this. Is this in some how some way a nod to Tennessee that you didn't get the best officiating at Alabama? At Alabama or Kentucky? At Alabama the week before. You think so? He you think he got SEC offensive lineman of the week because of what happened the week before? Just wondering if you give a tip of the cap to hey, you know, you kind of got the raw deal at Alabama. Um, let's give you an award or something. Am I comp- is that you're a conspiracy theory guy, and it doesn't help anybody, and I don't think Josh Heupel cares. But if you're sitting there in the SEC office and you're like, you know, that John Campbell, uh, Tennessee could certainly use an award here, and their tailbacks split it up so it's not one guy, and uh, uh, Joe Milton wasn't the best quarterback, so you can't go that guy. And, and they didn't have a defensive player that did much of anything because they refused to do anything but play zone. Well. Maybe you say, how about that offensive lineman award? This is not the first time that I've seen the offensive lineman award. And not to mention it's co that I've scratched my head that I've wondered if there was something else at play. Elias says it was a solid game, but it wasn't a dominant performance. I think it goes as simple as this. People don't know how to read stats for offensive linemen because they, because as you know, Dave stats, cornerback and offensive line, are the two most impossible position to judge by stats. Am I right? Those two specifically? Yes. Oh, they're, they're, it's impossible. Yeah. So they looked at Saturday and John Campbell didn't allow any sacks and didn't allow any pressures. 
Well, a big flaw in that stat line is, you know, if you hold, it doesn't count against you on pressures. Um, which right, it, it, which which is ridiculous because John Campbell called a holding penalty where he would have allowed a pressure, obviously maybe even a sack. Well, here's situation. the other thing too. That here's the other thing too that you have to remember. Tennessee promotes these guys to the conference. So there is not somebody at the SEC conference that is going down the list and saying, hey, this guy, and, and, and reviewing all of the film of every single offensive lineman. What they ought to do is call Cole Kubelik at WJOX because he does break them down, and he does an incredible job. Love Cole. So that, that's what they ought to do. And But they're, that's – they're not going to do that. They're going to take the recommendation of the individual schools and the individual school is going to say, John Campbell graded out the highest. So he's the guy, but he didn't he was like even the fourth graded offensive lineman on the team on Saturday. When what? He was like the fourth great highest graded offensive lineman on the team Saturday. According to what? According to PFF. Okay. So, which, which I would take as, as, as a better indicator than Tennessee saying it. They might, yeah. you know, John Campbell could be going through a tough time we're not aware of, and Tennessee could say, let's give him a boost. I mean, it could be as simple as that. I'm I'm not exaggerating. Maybe a confidence because, booster? Yeah, because the SEC is not going to look at every single offensive lineman every week. Well, um, we know they do this, for instance, you know this better than I do, Dave. We know they do this for Coach of the Year awards. The Coach of the Year is cover for them to say, well – because I didn't think this team would be good. Well, I can't be wrong. I'm obviously right. So obviously this coach just did a great job making them play better than I thought they were. That was why well, Fulmer won it in 98. Looking at every offensive lineman would be like looking through sports treasures, who has over 5 million sports treasures and so much more. Follow on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia. Daily updates. Uh, go to Facebook, follow at sportstreasurestn.com, sportstreasurestn on Facebook. I'm sorry, not com, uh, not .com. Go to Facebook. Sports Treasures TN. Uh, so highly recommend that. And um, as a whole, John Campbell, this year, you would give a what? I mean, I think his great, I think he grades out as a B. I'm a fan of John Campbell. I mean, the effort's there and the raw talent is there. I think there are certain schematic mistakes he makes every now and then, a, a lack of understanding about leverage sometimes. But I think the beauty, and Dave, you probably know this more about playing offensive line. Well, I'm not saying you played offensive line, but you probably know this more than I do. My guess is with left tackle, even though it's the most important position on the offensive line, it's also the one that requires the least amount of learning, doesn't it? I mean, it's, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Albert Toina was proof of that. Uh, Elias Gray says it was the billion yards rushing. So that was it. And did Tennessee um, sack wise? They got they allowed two sacks. Um, one I, of them, okay. to be well, fair, that, I was try, I was trying to make an argument for John Campbell. I don't know. Well, how to be fair, one of the sacks the sacks I'm bringing up was actually on Javante Spragans, and Spragans is hurting his NFL draft stock this year because he's a great run blocker, but his pass protection is is kind of an issue, um, and that's something he's got to work on. I was going to try hard to make a, a an argument for him, but you can't tell me, you can't tell me that he was graded higher by Tennessee than cooper mays and i'm not just saying that because he's a part of what we do i mean do you have those pff grades in front of you? yeah he, like well he, he was graded higher than cooper mays but you have to remember also kentucky was really elite in the middle so cooper mays and javante spragans and ollie lane had a much tougher job on saturday than john campbell or gerald mincy did yeah i, I mean i don't get it i, I don't 
I don't understand why he was a selection, but nevertheless, Tennessee Cider Company, the original hard cider of the Smoky Mountains, use the promo code HAT, that's HAT, to receive some free swag with your cider order, available most anywhere in the U.S. Go to tncidercompany.com, tncidercompany.com, use the promo code HAT, and you get free swag with that fantastic cider. Hit the like and subscribe button if you haven't to this point. I'm disappointed in you because we're with you weekdays at 10 a.m. And also uh, more Celebrate 98 coming up as Jamal Lewis is on tap. And you can check out Cooper Mays and Jacob Warren, their individual ball reports each and every Sunday. And that Sunday show with Fred brought to you by our friends at Herald Group Security Solutions. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off Dog Sports.